podcast is brought to you with the support of Caseload from DeNovo Business Intelligence. This podcast is brought to you by Workflow Solutions, specialists in records and document management, scanning and digitization, managed print, cloud and IT solutions. Hi and welcome back to the Hey Legal podcast. On today's show, we have trainee immigration solicitor Bilal Shabir from MBS Solicitors in Edinburgh. Bilal has extensive experience in immigration law, commercial dispute resolution and professional discipline. He'll be giving us an introduction to UK immigration law, who needs a visa to be in the UK, and finally, what the different visa categories are. To hear the full CPD content, please head to heylegal.co.uk and subscribe. Okay, let's hear the show. Today's podcast will be giving you an introduction to immigration law. This podcast will hopefully allow you to get to grips with the basics of our UK immigration law. So I'll start by talking a bit about where our immigration law comes from and then move on to who needs a visa to stay in the UK and then finally cover what the most common visa categories are. But before we discuss all of that, why is immigration law important or relevant to you? There's a real misconception that immigration law works in a vacuum But the reality is, is that it crosses over with a number of different areas of the law. For example, if you're a family law solicitor, there can be a major impact on someone's immigration status if they separate or they get divorced. Similarly, if you're a criminal defence solicitor, depending on what sentence you manage to get for your client might well determine whether the Home Office deports somebody. Employment law has a very big crossover with immigration law as well. There's all sorts of duties on employers who hold licenses to employ foreign workers and how they recruit workers and what salary levels they need to be paid. We probably don't think of it too much, but immigration law can be really important if you're a corporate lawyer or you're a private client lawyer or a tax lawyer. If you need to give advice on how a person's business needs to be structured or where the funding comes from for their investment, or you're dealing with a merger or acquisition for a company with foreign national staff, All of that is going to require some sort of input from an immigration lawyer. And it's really important that you're able to identify when something might come up, which is an immigration issue. Because our immigration law is really, really complicated. There's all sorts of technicalities. There's lots of really strict deadlines in this area of the law. So let's start from the beginning. What is our UK immigration law? Well, it's basically an umbrella term that we have for a mixture of human rights refugee, EU and nationality law. And because it is a combination of all these things, it means we have a lot of different sources of immigration law. So for example, the European Convention on Human Rights and the Refugee Convention. They are examples of international agreements and treaties which directly affect our immigration law. We also have a really big list of primary legislation and the main one is the Immigration Act of 1971. And this is really where the complexities start. Because we have so many different Acts of Parliament, the problem is is that each Act of Parliament, not only does it bring in new legislation, but it amends the old legislation as well. So I can easily think of 10 or 15 quite chunky Acts of Parliament which have come in since the 1971 Act. And this creates this constantly moving sea of primary legislation. 
We also have a huge amount of secondary legislation, and the most important one is the immigration rules. The rules contain um, the different visa categories and they contain the specific rules for each individual visa route. Then finally, we have the Home Office policy documents, which really drill into the detail of the final requirements in the rules. And um, they dictate the sort of evidence that you need to provide to meet certain requirements. And it also tells Home Office officials how to exercise discretion in certain cases. We also have quite a significant chunk of case law. And there's a dedicated immigration and asylum chamber in the tribunals. And they tend to churn out um, case law, particularly on human rights issues, very frequently. Working out which rule or which piece of legislation applies can be really tricky. Now, the hardest part of an immigration lawyer's job is trying to navigate and link these bits of law together to come up with the solutions. So the next big question is, who actually needs a visa to come to the UK? And the answer is in the Immigration Act 1971. And it tells us that anyone who has the right of abode is free to come into and go from the UK. And the main category of people who have a right of abode are British citizens. Anyone who doesn't have a right of abode is subject to immigration control and needs permission to live, to work and to settle in the UK. And we have three main types of immigration permission. The first is entry clearance. And entry clearance is a visa which is granted to a person who is abroad to come into the UK. The second type of permission is a leave to remain and leave to remain is granted by the Home Office within the UK. And the third and final type of permission is one which you might have heard of and it's indefinite leave to remain or ILR for short. And as the name suggests, it's permission to reside in the UK with no expiry date. There are certain circumstances where ILR can be lost or it can be revoked, but they tend to come up quite rarely. Anyone who makes a visa application is applying for one of these types of permissions. It's very common for a foreign national to end up going through each one of these stages. Uh, one thing to be aware of is that not all categories of visas actually lead up to indefinite leave to remain. Even if they do, some visa routes take longer than others. So in some categories, a person might be eligible to apply for indefinite leave to remain after five years, but in some we might have to wait up to 10 years. So if you take the example of someone who has come in as the spouse of a British citizen, that person would make an application from abroad to get entry clearance. And that entry clearance would be usually valid for about two and a half years. And before that entry clearance expires, they then make an application from within the UK for leave to remain. And if they're successful in that application, they would get another two and a half year visa. And after they've spent a total of five years in the UK at that point, they would then be eligible to apply for their indefinite leave to remain. Pretty much everyone will need entry clearance before coming to the UK. The only category of people who don't need entry clearance are people who are visiting the UK for up to six months and who are not visa nationals. So the immigration rules tell us what nationalities are considered visa nationals and anyone who is not on that list can visit the UK for up to six months. So that includes, for example, people from the USA, people from Canada, from Australia, from Japan, they would all be able to come in as a visitor without needing a visa in advance. But if anyone wants to come to the UK for more than six months, or if the specific visa category says that you need to get entry clearance before you come to the UK, it really doesn't matter what your nationality is, they would need to make an application in advance for entry clearance. 
there's lots of different types of categories of visas and the criteria for each category is in the immigration rules. And the rules are the main piece of law which regulate the entry and stay in the UK for anyone who is subject to immigration control. If you haven't seen the rules before, they are a bit of a shock to the system. When the rules were introduced back in 1994, they were only about 80 pages long, but now they're about a thousand pages long. And that's mainly because they're constantly being adjusted. There's usually at least two major amendments to the immigration rules every year. And a lot of the rules are not sequentially numbered. So if we take, for example, the rules for students, that starts at paragraph 245 Z. And that does mean that they are really confusing to navigate around. But there is a theme that runs through the rules. Depending on the category, the rules will be structured so that you see the rules for entry clearance at the top. And then it moves on to the leave to remain rules. And if that route leads to settlement, you'll then see the rules for indefinite leave to remain. There is a definitions and interpretation section of the rules at the very beginning. And then there are different numbered parts and appendices. There are a couple of requirements which are common to almost all categories in the rules. Most of the categories will require you to earn a minimum income or be employed at a certain salary level or to invest a minimum amount of money. Most of the categories will also impose some sort of English language requirement and they increase in difficulty as you go through the journey to indefinite leave to remain. So if we take the example of someone on a spouse visa again, they would need to set a level A1 test at the entry clearance stage. At the leave to remain stage, they would need to meet level A2 and then a level B1 in English they would need at the indefinite leave to remain stage. So that concludes this podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you find it interesting. I hope you've learned a bit more about immigration law today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Hey Legal podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. To hear the full CPD qualifying content, please visit heylegal.co.uk to subscribe and join our community. Or you could ask your law firm to contact us for a firm-wide subscription. Learn more, be more with Hey Legal.